This is our Sunday conversation for the Creator's Pearl podcast, April 4th, 2021. In last podcast, we ended up talking about fear. Now, fear is the fuel or the energy of the sin that so easily besets us, that drives us to do things we know aren't right or we don't want to do. And knowing that, we know that we can make great strides in our walk with God if fear can be dealt with, identified and removed as Satan's force or power that's set against us. Uh, we'll start off in John chapter 1. And what was the verse? 12 through 14. Okay. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And what we'll get into is believing on his name drill down on that to look into that and and put our focus there verse 13 which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth 16 and 17 okay verse 16 and of his fullness have we all received grace for grace And what that means in his fullness means he fulfilled his part. Because he has fulfilled his part, we now have grace, and we can build on that grace. We can go from grace to grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Just chime in if you got anything. I just liked where it said in verse 12, gave he power to become the sons of God. And you have to believe which is what you're wanting to get into, to become. There's there's a becoming, there's an active thing in that that has to go on and on to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, there's a, there's a coming into believing in who he is and what he did, but then there's a journey that we have to be a part of, engage ourselves on a path of becoming sons of God. And when, I, when we read further into these scriptures, we'll see that was Jesus' great frustration with his disciples. And it's even why Jesus wept. When Lazarus died, he didn't weep because he died. He wept because they didn't believe. Yes. That's why he wept. Because he said, I'm the resurrection. So we'll go to Matthew 7. 20 through 29. Matthew 7, 20 through 29. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I have in my notes that I wrote, If you're not doing it out of an intimacy from relationship and God told you to do those things, then it is sin. Yeah. It's iniquity. Yeah, and that iniquity is doing it out of self-will. I make the decision to do my gifts. God gave me these gifts, but I don't get his permission. I just go do them, and I'm deceived. If I operate that way, I could go my whole life as a quote-unquote believer and then end up before the throne of God where he says, I never knew you. Well, that happens because we're always, always perplexed by, well, if I had a relationship with him, if I was a believer, but I got deceived and I went back into self-will instead of in Jesus' name, which is operating by the will of the Father, that's what he did. He said, I only do the will of the Father. And that's what he told his disciples to do. <clears throat> if you go in my name, you'll do the will of the Father, and you'll do my works by his permission. And I was always perplexed by, if I was before the throne, well, that throne is eternal. And what I, the end thing that I am, if I'm deceived, and I may have gifts in doing great things in people's eyes, and making a name for myself, and, and really looking the part, if I end up that way, in that state, then that's who I'll be in eternity. And that's why he says, I never knew you, because the throne is in eternity. The throne is not in our temporal realm. And he's an eternal God. That's an eternal throne. What I am when I get there is what I'll be in eternity. And we'll never have had a relationship as far as eternity is concerned. 
because that history doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It won't exist. It'll be burned up. Those works will be burned up, and they'll never. They won't even be remembered. That's what that means. Yeah. That's good. And we've been taught, you know, there's fire of judgment that'll be sent through different things. Just living on the earth, sometimes because we've sinned and a door was open, so we've gotten the fire. Um, just because we are doing God's will, sometimes it seems like fire, judgment, whatever you want to call it, comes. But those are good, they're tests to see where we're at. A test is, or a pop quiz is to show you where you're at so that you can pass the test. So we've got to go through those cleansing process. What's coming out when the fires and the winds are blowing? What is it? And be in truth in it. I screwed up. I'm seeing something that's not right. You repent. You seek God. He cleanses and you go on. That's that's how we can still have a chance to have eternal works done that's not burned up so it's good if the fire comes because it'll burn up the wood hay and stubble and what's left is truly what you have in god and that's growing up in god yes and wanting to change yeah. you know wanting to please god you know as a father-son relationship yeah. the father loves us and he will discipline us so we won't be be caught in deception and be go too deep and just if we never if we're never quickened back onto the straight and narrow path then where where it's nothing it was all for nothing then we get there and we're like he's like i don't know you you quit listening to me and asking me and doing it where i said and when i said and how i said and i didn't even finish developing that gift because you took it as your own and you stunted the growth or you aborted yeah you hardened your heart yeah could not receive the truth the spirit of truth was not heeded and the sons of god is not just for a select few we are all called to become or be in the journey of that, then we can help each other along the way. We're always going to have some that's further ahead or maybe some that's behind, and it's as the body, we help it along. Did you want me to finish reading 24 through 29 you yeah. have down? Verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken them unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And that taught as one having authority. When his words came out, it was from heaven. It was from that eternal throne where he was delivering a powerful word that would change the earth. Mm -hmm. And they knew it. They could sense it. He he wasn't reciting something they had already heard before. When he said it, when he said what he said, even the scriptures, when he read the scriptures, they had a new power. In that verse 24, it talks about the man who built his house upon the rock. And built is an ongoing. From the time we start the journey in the Lord until we go out, we should be building on that foundation. It's not a one and done. Just like in the physical realm, seasons of life change how our house functions, what we need. So we have to always seek the builder. (laughs) What do you want to do here with this thing that is yours? In Matthew chapter 8, I was wanting to read about the centurion. In verse 5, And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth home, sick of palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Because he had heard, he was one of them that probably heard or heard of that word of power. That he knew just the word was going to change the world. Was going to destroy the works of the devil. Was going to right the wrongs that were present. In verse 9, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said unto them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. In verse 13, Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, for as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same self hour. 
So we want to look at the faith that the centurion had versus the faith of those that followed him. Great faith is seen in someone who acknowledges God's word of authority in that it comes forth from heaven. This acknowledgement comes forth by man believing that that word will be accomplished according to the will of God upon asking him to accomplish it. That's the great faith. Let's go down to Matthew eight twenty one. Okay, do you want me to say anything on that? This may not. No, this, go ahead. This may not go along with, you know, this may take it too long. So edit yeah. this out because it's not really where you're going. But Capernaum was a nasty pagan city. And also it says in verse 6, he says, Lord, my servant. And that is like this man's heart for his servant is like what Jesus felt for us. He was like, God, I want to heal these people. I want to make a way for these people. So that's the heart of him giving us faith is so that we can be restored and make it through until the end. That's a very good point because Jesus came to heal, bind up the wounded, you know, heal the broken, clothe the naked, and fix injustices. Yeah. And he, he told him, you know, he's laying grievously tormented. So his heart was like Jesus that he loved his servant. And he was saying, the centurion was saying to Jesus, don't, don't, don't even come. Don't come to my house. I'm not worthy to have you leave your pure place and come into this polluted place. Mm-hmm. Just, he just had it. He just had the word, you know, and that's what Jesus did. He stepped down from his perfect position in this perfect place and was willing to maybe be polluted and have to fight that off to finish his call and his will on this earth. And he said to us, you do it too. And we have everywhere you see what Jesus did. He made a way for us to do this. And even more, he said, because as the body, he's not limited his physical body. He sent the Holy Spirit. So Matthew eight twenty one. you can go ahead and read that. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into his ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So there's that fear again. They were fearful. In verse 26, he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And that goes back to a video we did a month or so ago about casting out that devil. And the disciples couldn't cast that devil out. And in Luke, let me go read that one. Luke chapter 8 was the same story. And when they woke him up in that, Luke eight twenty four, and they, they awoke him saying, in verse 24, they awoke him and saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And then verse 25, he said, or in this account, he said, where is your faith? He didn't say little faith. He said, where's your faith? And they being afraid, wondered and saying to another, what manner of man is this? I think in Mark, he says, how is it that you have no faith? He says, you don't have faith. So where did faith get get uh, corrupted? Where, where did faith go wrong in the beginning? So if we go to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2 verse 17, the Lord said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, the serpent said to the woman, For God doeth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So what happened there is that Adam and Eve operated. They had pure faith. They received everything from God. Knowledge, they were connected. They represented God's work on the earth. And they had the power over the creation in God's behalf, like an ambassador. And they they represented, they managed the earth. That was the office of the Son of Man that Jesus refers to, the Son of Man who is to have authority over the creation in God's behalf, in his name. And by faith, we're channeled the will of God. That's how we get that. Through prayer in the faith, we're channeled the will of God. Well, that got corrupted when they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what it did when they ate of that, it brought forth a false self-sovereignty. Like you can become a god, so you're sovereign unto yourself. You can have your own will. And be as a god who possesses and abides in his own knowledge. 
you can acquire your own knowledge you can learn on your own and you can learn truth on your own and ultimately operate in your own will and think that's right because you can be successful and live a good life that way and think well god's blessing me this is god's blessing me because i do what i'm supposed to do but in the spirit something's cut off there's not a connection to the father to know and to do his will to receive his will that's what jesus said when he prayed in the middle of the night he went to the mountain he's like i have to hear the father i won't know what to do unless he tells me what to do so that eating of the tree of knowledge you come into the state of trusting in yourself And that opposes, that diabolically opposes faith in God, the Creator, and the reception of His knowledge, the knowledge of His will that cuts that off. That's where relationship with God, between God and man, got got corrupted, was at the fall. It was the result of that. What was the consequence of doing that? Well, it it was being disconnected. The faith became disconnected. And so the struggle in the Old Testament and then the fulfillment of the New Testament by Jesus was reestablishing that faith. So if we go back to Luke 8, verse 5, would you read that? 5 through 18 or not? How far do you want me to go? Yeah. Okay, Luke 8, 5 through 18. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What? might this parable be and he said unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of god but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand now the parable is this the seed is the word of god those by the wayside are they that hear then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root which for a while believe in a time of temptation they fall away and that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word keep it and bring forth good fruit with patience okay you can stop there the first three types of ground they heard the word of god but they didn't have ears to hear and the ears to hear is the faith to bring it into the heart says the good ground which they have an honest and good heart they'll receive truth and they'll treasure it it becomes a treasure that word that they hear from god that authoritative word they'll receive it and they won't become fearful because of the consequences in receiving it what's it gonna change me into what's going to happen to me what are people going to think all of that and no i want that word that i'm not going back i'm not going to lose that and that is the faith we're getting at because having that faith of the fourth type produces what we've called the faith of jesus to do his works that's where we're getting to because it's not enough to have faith well i go to church i listen to good preaching and i'm I put myself under the influence of good preaching, and I believe that word, and I profess that word. I profess that I believe that word. Well, that is a first step. Now, are we going to be a disciple? Are we going to enter into sonship? Because that's where we have to go. If we don't, then we're not in that fourth soul, that fourth ground. That's where we have to go to know the will of God and to do it. Jesus said, those that do the will of my father will inherit the kingdom that's the fourth soil that's why many says many will make it because they can't go there in their heart they just can't their house isn't built because if you don't go and take action faith without action is dead work so there's an active part we can't just sit in church and believe good things and say good things we have to actively say what is my call what is my purpose where are you wanting to and it's not big things sometimes it's not oh I'm called to be a preacher oh I'm called to teach Sunday school it is walking it out in the everyday mundane things on earth it is preaching without saying a word all day long Paul said wherever your vocation is that's where your influence for God is yes that's that's where you're going to do the will of God wherever you're at 
And if God wants to change that, then he'll, then you'll hear him, yeah. and a way will be made, and you can walk that out, hearing God and having discernment. And when we know it's God, that peace will come that'll indicate it's him. It's an indicator. But the fourth, like we say, the fourth soil are those that have the ears to hear. When Jesus cried out, with those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Let him receive this into his heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, verse 18 of Luke 8. Jesus said, Take heed, therefore, how you hear. So it's how you hear. Do you have ears to hear to take it into the heart and treasure it? Or do you just hear it and just say, Oh, I believe that's true. I agree with that. And then maybe even go defend it you know, in a doctrine or make nice sayings, memes, whatever, post it, whatever. And, just, and that becomes what you believe in, in, in just the material. It's just good material. You know, believe that that's true in the scripture, that that what it says is true. That's what I believe. But Jesus is saying, be careful how you hear. He said, take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Okay, what's he talking about to have? What what is he talking about have? I believe he's talking about faith. You may think you have faith, and at the end of this statement, he's saying, you may think you have it, or people may tell you you have it, or it seems like you have it. But if you're not into the faith that Jesus was requiring of his disciples to do his works, to do the will of the Father, which is the fourth soil, or the fourth ground, will be taken away. Yeah. That word will be taken away. Yeah. If the faith is not there, God will just take that word back. The parable of the talents goes right along with that too. You have to do something with what you have been given. The measure of to faith. increase. And everything he does is to increase and multiply. You have to, or you were considered wicked. That man that hid it in the dirt and did nothing with it to keep it safe, he thought, because you're a hard man. I knew you were a hard man, so I'm going to make sure you got this when you come back. He said, you're wicked. He was thrown into the whoremongers and murderers in the revelation. That's what it was likened to. Yeah, he was cast down to outer darkness because of unbelief. He didn't believe. So I think that's an important verse to really study. Therefore, take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he thinks he has. See, there's that deception. Well, I have faith that I have faith that Jesus died for me. I have faith that I accepted him. But have we entered into the faith of Jesus? Do we have the faith of Jesus to do the works according to the will of the Father? That's where we have to go. And we'll read on farther down. That's where Jesus, that's what tormented him. Yeah. He was scared for him because he knew that he had to have this key or they weren't going to make it to the end. Because it says you have to make it to the end. It's not a one and done. It's a there's something you have to do to make it to the end. And we won't even get into that. Um, one place, several places, that you can measure where we are at in this. How do we measure where we're at and what we're trying to teach right now, which is what God's dealing with us, <laughs> teaching us. Our relationships on earth will be a measuring stick to where you were at with God. How I treat my husband is going to show where I'm at with God. How I worked out teenage drama with my daughter yesterday, shopping, (laughs) is a measuring stick with where I'm at with God. How I do my boss's work when my boss isn't there is a measuring stick. There's measuring sticks all over. We think it's these big, holy, in the church setting, listening to the word. There is a place of honor for that. But if you want to know where you're at, it's when nobody else is seeing what you're doing. In the secret place, being changed. Yes, and being in truth in it. Because I'm like, well, okay, I'm feeling that, but I'll just deal with it later. No, I may have to repent, talk to God, show me what I could have done different. Some of this wasn't all me, but this one was. Maybe I'm going to have to go and confess, hey, I was too harsh with you, I'm sorry, or whatever. There's a process. (laughs) Well, if we have that the humble, teachable spirit where we want to do the right thing and we all have our hindrances, our generational forces that we grew up with and that have set in. And now it's it's a process of unfolding and extracting in that faith to grow in God. That's the growing in God is to remove in the cleansing process, remove those forces that are in us, 
a lot of times we you know we can be worried about other people's devils and spiritual mm-hmm. forces and all that mm-hmm. am i going to respond with the faith of jesus yeah. and do righteousness or am i going to get defensive and vindictive and defend myself outside of the faith of jesus that's the battle one other thing i was thinking of as you was reading that passage it made me think of when i can't remember who it was i think ezekiel was told to eat the scroll and when it went down or when it went into his mouth it tasted like honey when it went down on in to the area of truth and went deeper it was bitter and that's what this process in this journey will do you know it's god and you want it and you take it and you receive it but know it will do a work of judgment to divide out so that we can have things left standing that's eternal as the fire and the winds and the water come. It will be worth it, but it will be what we do with that bitterness because that bitter stuff when it starts happening will cause us to quit, will cause us to run the other way. So know that's part of the process. It doesn't mean you're so far gone you can't. Everybody has it and we can deal with it in prayer and in faith that if I continue on, I'm going to be increased in my faith. And if we come become broken when that happens, when those that bitterness and whatever besets us, and we're, we know we have to deal with something where our mindset has been polluted, our thoughts are not right, we become broken before God. Plea, please help me, Lord. Yeah. I'm not going to make it without you. Yeah. That's when we, that's when we get delivered. That's when He'll come. Yes. And say your attitude's right. Yeah. I can work with that. It's not, yeah. you know, it, psychology won't fix it. The things of this world won't fix it because they're they're not of faith. They're of man's will. And they seem right because the majority, the vast majority of mankind operates that way. Well, sometimes that's the easier way to go counsel with a man or to take medicine or to, you know, do certain things to make self-proclamations and say positive things and stuff. That's easier so much easier to do sometimes than to to do this process of well and there's pressure to do that people around us will say you need help you need yes. to go get help you need to you need to go to a counselor you need to go take medication you need to go go get fixed you need to fix things you know there are remedies for that well and it does help for a while a lot of times but it doesn't but solve you the will problem. for the rest of your life never be set free it it doesn't get to the root and god's stuff gets to the root and that's why it's a bitter process it's hard yeah. But it's worth it. <laughs> and the world wants to build on that that foundation of sinking sand, which is fear. You know, mm-hmm. the world is just based in fear. And once somebody starts building a house, if they're building on sinking sand, they can have a huge house and think, look at this beautiful structure. I've built my life up. You want me to, this all to be undone and start over on a new foundation? The Word says yes. If you want eternal life with the Father, with the Creator who created this world, if you want to live with Him forever, yeah, that's required. What a great reward to give up something now that's going to be gone anyway, mm-hmm. and you won't possess it, what, 30, 40, 50 years? You know, your life, you know, I'm talking about after you become an adult. The fear of this world prevents a lot of people from going into the faith that Jesus is requiring. And we'll read about that in Romans chapter 10. You told me it was Romans 10, 4 through 17. Yeah. Okay. I'll go ahead and read it. Okay. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So Jesus fulfilled the Torah, the Old Testament requirements. And the law in the Old Testament was God's expectations. These are my expectations. This is what I expect of you. Well, the Israelites, as we know, and even ourselves without the Lord, you can't meet those expectations. You can't do it. Well, Jesus fulfilled those. He was the second Adam, the first son of man that fulfilled the law in his ministry and in his death and his resurrection. He took on the sin and he fulfilled the requirements. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend to heaven? that is, bring Christ down from above. Or who shall ascend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up again from the dead. I believe what that's saying is that don't be a bystander and just just have faith that God's going to come down or God's going to come up and deliver us. 
I think what it's saying in verse 8, But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Jesus died and was resurrected so we would receive him to represent him in that faith of Jesus to carry on the work. Not to just believe in who, who he is or who he's said to be, but to believe on what he's going to do now and to believe that we're called to believe on him to receive the will of the Father, to do his works. We're to be active is what I'm trying to say. We're to be in an active state of knowing him and representing him and speaking on his behalf. It's not enough to have faith that Jesus will do something. I mean, we know he will do something. I mean, he's proven it in his word. But Jesus is looking at us. What are you going to do? Verse 9, that if you'll confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And that's that faith that treasures the word of God in their heart. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing having ears to hear by the word of God. So that faith we're talking about, that the faith of the fourth ground in Mark chapter 4, that's the faith to receive that word and to treasure it, to learn, to receive, know, and do the will of God in Jesus' name. That's why he says, you'll do the works of my Father in my name. That's what he's talking about, having that faith as sons of God. The faith of Jesus to do the works of the Father comes forth by having ears to hear the word of God that's received and treasured in the heart of the believer unto salvation and to live in the supernatural, or that's in the fellowshipping with him in the heavenlies, in the heavens now, today. We feel we receive, we have that, you know, Jesus said, I'm going away, but you'll see me shortly. You don't, you won't see me, but you will see me. I believe he was not only talking about his resurrected state. We'll see the manifestation of his works. Because Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, believe the works. He told him, you don't believe in who I am. What about the works? Is that not God? Are those not the works from heaven? Supernatural things? Eyes opened? The dead raised? The life? That's God. That's not a devil. And the first supernatural thing we experience is being able to be in a covenant of salvation. All are meant to be that and have that. That's our first. And just faith is supernatural. It's not some big only raising people from the dead and arms growing back. It's not only that. It's every day. It's We can see it. The supernatural that a baby is conceived, it's microscopic. You can't even see it. In nine months, it's a human. It's a human from start. But it's like fully ready and developed that's supernatural we the creation is supernatural we it's not some big thing it's just seeing how people can forgive and have relationship where if they would have stayed in that bitterness they would have never had relationship it's seeing lives transform it's supernatural it's it's everywhere if we turn our eyes to see it and open our ears to hear it well that fear which starts the destruction of the faith or even prevents it. And then the bitterness will set in after that. And then the relationship is destroyed. There's this total destruction of, mm. of relationship. Yeah. The big problem in the church is that there, there are many, they refer to themselves as believers in Jesus, but they choose to have a spectating faith. They, they mm. spectate. Then the faith isn't in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about faith in Christ Jesus. That's that supernatural faith of sonship that we're called to come into, that fourth ground in Mark 4 again. If we don't have that, when Jesus... Let's go to Matthew 17. It'll give us a point of reference here, I'm trying to say. Matthew 17, 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and sore vexed, and oftentimes he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they cannot cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? He called his disciples faithless and perverse. They believed on him. They believed in him and who he was. And they believed that he could do the mighty works he did. But Jesus still said that to them. Because they weren't actively doing what they were supposed to. And he said, how long shall I be with you? Because you're relying on me because you were fearful in this yeah. case. You were fearful here. Mm -hmm. And how long shall I suffer you? 
How long am I going to put up with you being faithless and perverse? How long is this going to last? And he said, bring the child to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. The problem wasn't the powerful devil. That wasn't the issue. It was your unbelief. You're faithless and perverse. You believed that I could do it, but you didn't believe that you could do it. And that's where we got to go in that, in that faith of Jesus. Can we do if we're called? Because, face it, that's what Jesus' intent was from the beginning. He was the first of many to follow mm-hmm. to do what he did. We're down here praying, Jesus, go fix this, go yep. fix that, deliver this, give me this. And just like he's a bellhop. What about us picking up the torch, yeah. the seven eyes, and serving the Father like Jesus said to? do the will of the father is there no problems now that need to be solved there's there no devils now in existence where jesus just took care of everything like the theologians said the secessionists say oh well the the disciples did all the miracles and everything they wrote the bible it's all sealed up all we got to do is just read it learn it more and more and believe it and go tell everybody else what the bible says and we're good as gold i'm sorry that's not the way it is yeah and i think because he was still on earth there was a little loophole for him a little bit there. Well, he'll he'll clean it up and he'll finish. Yeah. <laughs> but he was quickly telling them, you will be perverse and faithless if you do not begin to do this now. Now his words, follow me, have a greater meaning yeah. than just walking with him around watching him do things. He says, follow me. You do what I do. Yeah. So he told him, it's because you're unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith, as a grain of a mustard seed, that small, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible to you. And to you. So yeah. we think, nothing's, yeah. well, nothing's impossible for God. Well, right. but what about you representing him? What about me representing him? Yeah. Do we have in our heart, are we fearful? And thinking, well, that's not, you know, you know that's, that's God's job. Well, it, it is. But now he's, he's delegated it to us through Jesus. We've been delegated this. And a lot of the doctrine out there has undelegated it. Yeah. And just said, well, God's sovereign. Oh, yeah. God's sovereign. Yeah. We can't question God. Well, we're not questioning God. It's not that. It's like we have problems down here. We need God. We need the will of God to instruct us. And if he's called us to act in his behalf, do we have the faith to do that? And that's what Jesus was pointing out to them. You're faithless and perverse. You're perverse. Wow. Because, and we'll get farther here, it says, um, verse 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Okay, we talked about this several months ago. This kind of what goeth out? I was always taught this kind of devil. But that's not what this word means, goeth out. This word means flow forth as a river. This kind flows forth, this kind of faith. This kind of faith is supernatural. It's not man's faithless and perverse way. This is the faith of Jesus. This is how you represent the Son of God as a disciple. And this is what he was telling him. Because when the disciples used the word cast out, it was a different Greek word. It means expel. It means to force out. But when Jesus said this kind cometh out, he was this kind flows forth. Like the water out of the rock. This kind of faith plus faith. The supernatural faith comes out. And that's what he's talking about. I believe that's what he's talking I, about. I, I could so. be wrong, but when I study those Greek words, they're not yeah. the same. Yeah, I think it's so good. Um, when we were reading that um, 20 about the mustard seed and the mountain. Well, okay, so a mustard seed takes time to grow into that huge, it turns this little bitty seed, turns, you'll have to look it up, a picture of it, Google it, of what a mustard seed, it's huge. It gets huge, but it takes time to get there. And there was a process for it to get there. And then a mountain, if we were to physically have to go remove a mountain because we wanted to build a house there or build a road there, it is going to take time. I think when I used to read the scripture, but I knew where we were going today with this, so I looked at it different. I used to think, oh, we're going to speak to that mountain and it's physically going to just disappear. And I am not saying that may not happen at some point in life, okay? But bring it down to today. 
it's going to take some work to get that mountain out of the way. So to me, that verse 20 describes this process of active faith, and it's a hard, laborious thing, but your faith will be increased, and as the big things come up, you're like, wait a second, I have faith that I've built on that rock, I've seen God move, and I'm going to keep going, no matter the cost or the process, so that's that's how i seen that. The, the most effective way to get to get where you're talking about going in that faith to get the faith of jesus the fourth ground that's 30 60 100 fold increase is to get rid of fear mm. and getting rid of fear comes by intimacy with god yes. there's no other way yes. you you can't fight fear with a positive attitude or being have some super boldness yeah or or positive speaking to yourself and all yeah. that it it's perfect love of God and intimacy will cast that yes. fear out. You'll get that blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, he is in me. He's, yes. He is in me. And he, you know, he told his disciples in John 16, he said, sorrow filled your hearts when I've told you these things. Why did they get sorrow in their hearts? Fear. They're scared, yeah. Jesus, our leader's leaving us. Yeah. And Jesus says, I have to. You're up next. Aww, I yeah. did my part. Yep. I finished my part. He did finish his work. Next. Yeah. That's the call of Jesus. <gasps> Next. That's what he's saying to yes. him. And he didn't say that. He'd said it without saying it. Yeah. Uh, let me just read it. Uh, John 16, real quick. While you're finding that, I was remembering a story. I had labored in this person who was not saved's harvest field. I, it, was, it was a guy, so that was like different. It was a... Anyway, and I knew, I knew God was using me, and it wasn't that I said, come to church, here's a scripture. I really didn't ever really even say God stuff, but I knew my actions were being used in that way. So one day, our pastor comes in and is going to meet this person, and I'm like, oh, finally, yes, he'll, he may even lead him to the Lord right here and now, and it's all going to be, oh, thank God, yes. When they met, it was like oil and water. I was so discouraged. I was like, what in the world? And I was just like, uh. And God showed me. I can't just rely on my big preacher to come in and finish the deal. He gives us people and gives us. I had favor with this person. They trusted me. They didn't know him from Adam. And... I had a work to do in that field. So to me, that just that story quickened back. And I know those seeds were eternal. I'm not with that person anymore. I know those seeds are eternal. And somebody else is going to come and labor and add to that. And I believe this person will get saved or maybe already saved now. That wasn't worth nothing. But you can't count on the big wigs to come in and finish it off for you. We all have people that know, like, and trust us. Sometimes it could be you're sitting there for a standard that beats up against their junk, and that's your, your battle axe. You know, we have different parts for different things and different seasons, and it's exciting. Yeah, it feels to like be a, a punching bag. But. Yeah, I don't like being that one, but I have been. <laughs> and people have been it to me, too. And it's exposed, and it's caused me to... Because I'm in this path, I'm like, okay, God, what's up? I need to change something that was nasty. I'm, that person exposed me. I need to change. So. And then we have to just fight off the temptation to get condemned. Yeah. Let the devil, let the devil yep. condemn you when the Lord yep. is saying, okay, get up. Yeah. Let's go. Let me clean you up yep. and continue. Yep. So in John 16, verse 1, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended in the future. In... You should be put out of the synagogues. Oh, they're going to be. That's like if you put that in today's language. If Jesus was talking to us today, you'll be thrown out of the churches. Ho, ho. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he does God's service or he's doing God's will. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. They are not in that fourth faith, that fourth ground. They have rejected the word of God in their heart they wouldn't let it come in but these things i've told you that when the time shall come you may remember that i told you of them and these things i said not unto you at the beginning because i was with you but now i go my way to him that sent me and none of you ask me where are you going 
But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So the Comforter comes to minister to us, to empower us, to teach us the will of God, and to prepare us to do Jesus' work in that faith of Jesus. That's why he said, you're going to rejoice. Yeah. Because it's your turn. Yeah. It's your turn to serve the Father in my name. Yeah. You won't you won't start your own Messiahship. You won't be the Messiah. I'm the Messiah, but I will be in you. Yeah. And you'll be doing as I did. You'll be following me. What a honor. And to hold that precious and to not try to own it and make it what we want it to be. I'm talking to myself there. <laughs> <laughs> it applies to us all. <laughs> we all have work to do. Forever. Till we go out, we'll be working on it. Hopefully, or we're in a bad place. So the, in John 16, sorrow filled the disciples' hearts because of the fear of losing Jesus and being thrown to the wolves of mm-hmm. this world. They're going to be thrown to the wolves. Mm-hmm. You know, just like thrown out of an eagle's nest. It's time to fly. And, um, and, and Jesus, you know, without saying it, he was saying, now it's your turn. It's your turn to ask the Father in my name to carry on and do yeah. the greater works, to come to glorify me on the earth by your doing the will of the Father in my name. That glorifies Jesus. It's not enough to say, I glorify you, Jesus. I glorify you, Jesus. Yes, that needs, that needs to be said. But the action needs to back up that proclamation, the works. So he's saying, you're now required to operate in my faith, the faith of Jesus. And that's the one that it only takes a mustard seed size to do all things. Mm. So the last passage we'll go to is Mark 16. This morning I read a scripture that's Isaiah 42, 1, and it says, Behold my servant who I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delight. And I just love that because we, in this process, are able to bring God delight. He's speaking this about Jesus, I believe. But if it was Jesus, then it's for us today. We can bring great delight to God. We can make God smile and delight in us and he's going to uphold us it says we're the elect if we do this and stay in this process that's amazing that we can make God of all creation happy representing him increasing him on the earth bringing restoration to the earth Jesus will come in the end and restore all things we can't do everything Jesus will come and defeat the last enemies so in Mark 16 verse 15 And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. That's that faith of Jesus. That's the faith that the faithless and perverse disciples didn't yet have. So there is a call and a requirement to get that faith to cast out devils. You know, I'm not... And I'm not excluding people that aren't there yet. And I'm not saying that. But we strive to enter in, to get there. Yeah. We, we, mm-hmm. have a, we labor mm-hmm. to get there. I'm not saying you have to have arrived now. But we have, we have to disembark and go. We're required to go. Yeah. And cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. They mm-hmm. shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is for the followers of Jesus, those that followed him. That's God's expectation now in the new covenant. That's the new covenant Mm -hmm. expectation for us who believe. You know, again, it's not sitting under good preaching and just agreeing and nodding your head in agreement and then going repeating what you said. That's not the faith. That's not this faith. I had a pastor for several, my first pastor actually, for several, several years. And he always said, he said, if you cannot carry on Without me here, I have done you an injustice. And our pastor now would say that too. But that's so good. And guess what? One day he did go on. I don't, I don't know how it all turned out after that because I wasn't there much longer. But I thought that was so good. Yeah, there's, there's work to be done in the church. There's, there's, a, there's a level of getting to that has been greatly hindered yep. in the doctrine, in the indoctrination of man. It's not good. So again, verse 18, Thou shalt take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, 
and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord. They preached the Lord. Jesus was coming out of them. That word of power that Jesus spoke that the centurion had faith in. They were releasing that. And not that the people had faith in them. They had faith in the Messiah that yeah. was coming out of them. He had been His representatives had been multiplied. Yes. His representation had been multiplied. People had heard about it. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Mm. He sits at the right hand of God, making intercession for our works in doing the will of the Father. Mm. It's not that he's just rescuing us from this catastrophe and that thing and that thing. Yes, that's taken place. But we are to pray to the Father in his name. Mm -hmm. And there's a connect. There's a direct living, live, real connection into the heavenlies where we are getting instruction, live instruction of what to do and what not to do in his name. And I've talked a lot about the hard part and the bitter part, but it is a great joy and the peace and the hope and the love that as you are walking in faith and it's growing, those things increase and, and it's just, yeah, it's not all hard. You get that part too pouring out or you couldn't keep and going. the vision, the positive yes. vision of what's to come. Yes. The great victory that's to come. Yeah. The victories and the great yeah. ultimate victory that's to come. The Lord is coming yeah. back and he will set all things right. Yes. We have a part now in yep. that. And it, it goes beyond the theological evangelism of man. That that's not that's not at all right. the faith that we're talking right. about here. The faith we're talking about is the Spirit of the Lord, those seven eyes, mm-hmm. giving us light to see what needs to be done. The keys. And we have the counsel, that eternal counsel. Mm-hmm. We're receiving it from God in the moment. And if we don't do it, to me, that is one of the Ten Commandments. Don't take my name in vain. To me, that's what that means. If we don't do what he made a way for us to do, we have taken his name in vain. We let it be nothing. And we think we don't break that Ten Commandment because we don't say a cuss word with his name in front of it. But no, it's all of this that we just described. It's the path, the narrow path. Yeah, in vain is perverse. Faithless and perverse is in vain. That's what that means. It didn't mean anything. Because we didn't do anything with it. You'll do something with what you love. All right. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time.